This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, John chapter 1, verses 29 to 42. John saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which means Peter. This is the gospel of the Lord. To God. Amen. You all can have a seat. Welcome to church, everybody. It's so good to see you. If we've not yet uh, had a chance to meet, hi. Uh, my name is Ashley. I'm the pastor here at Christ the King, at least one of them. And uh, we're thrilled to have you with us. Happy New Year. If you are um, checking things out and uh, new to Christ the King, a special and warm welcome to you. Uh, just to make myself, uh, I will be making myself available. And I think Isaiah, maybe he's not here right here in the room. But um, if you find someone maybe who looks like they've been around for a minute, uh, don't hesitate to ask questions. Uh, we would love to spend some time with you. We're really glad that you're here. You've um, found us in the season of Epiphany. Epiphany is, according to the church calendar anyway, the time of year that we're in. Uh, it's not just winter in the church, it's Epiphany. And this is the season that stretches after the end of the Christmas season, um, all the way between Christmas and Lent. So just a few weeks before uh, the start of the Lenten season in February. And it's the time when the church calls us to reflect on something very specific, which is uh, the revelation of God through the person of Jesus. We're meant to think about it, talk about it, consider what it means and why it matters for our lives. So the whole um, Advent thing, I don't know if you, um, if you were here at Christ the King or in other liturgical spaces, then you're familiar with Advent. But for those of you who are not, um, Advent was Christmas time before Christmas. It was a time when we were thinking about what it means for God to come. Uh, to make himself known. And we talked a lot about uh, Emmanuel, God being with us in the birth of Jesus. And uh, that's really important because Emmanuel, a God with us, is not just like the Christmas time name for Jesus, which is um, kind of how it functions. It's like Jesus's Christmas name, you know. And um, that's not wrong, except it's just not entirely all the way true. We have to make sure that we don't miss the bigger point, which is um, that 
Jesus is, in fact, um, with his birth and his coming, um, the introduction of a new reality, a, a with God life becomes available to people, to all of us, through the birth of Jesus in a way that it just was not available before. Something new, in other words, happens with the birth of Jesus. Specifically, he brings with him a with God life. A particular kind of life has made its way into the world through this person of Jesus. And so Epiphany is all about reflecting on how we are to know that what it means for God to show us that with God life, to make it known. Because it's one thing for Jesus just to like slip in, you know, sort of covertly and hang out and live, you know, a human life among us. That's one thing. But Epiphany is going to remind us that, no, 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 actually, if you want in on this with God life that Jesus came to bring, it's going to require a kind of revelation. That's where the word Epiphany comes from, right? Epiphany means appearing or manifestation in the Greek. It's like an aha moment. In other words, you're going to need a kind of aha moment connected to who Jesus is to get in on this with God life. And so for these next few weeks, what we're going to be doing here at Christ the King is talking about and thinking about how do we get in on this with God life that Jesus came to give us. Because it's a lovely idea that, like, God just wants to hang out with you, I, I guess. You know, I, not I guess, that's true. I would prefer a God who wants to hang out with me as opposed to a God who does not care to hang out with me. I, I like that. God does want to be with you. But God being with you has implications for the way that you live your life. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot in that. He's not just snuggled up next to you as your life buddy. That's not what Emmanuel means. God being here and with us is a new kind of life. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it to the full. What is that life? What kind of epiphanies or aha moments do I need the Spirit to give me and grant to me so that I can get in on it, that I can live it? Because here's the good news. Everybody this time of year is thinking a whole lot about how to change who they are. This is the time of self-improvement. If we, we have a church calendar, we have a cultural calendar. And in the cultural cal calendar, this is the season of resolutions and list making and goal setting. And I think all that's fantastic. Any issues with it at all. But I also know that if your plan for a bigger and better you includes Jesus as a kind of tack on to that plan, you know, or that going to church, or that I would try to like maybe figure out how to be a better person and maybe Jesus can help me do that. I actually think he can. I think he's an incredible moral teacher. If you're just going to choose one and you're shopping around, I think Jesus has some excellent things to say and you should for sure add him to your rotation of consultants. But if we're going to get in on the with God life that he came to give us, the real gift, all this gift giving that we do at Christmas is meant to be a kind of reminder and reflection that God has given us a gift and that invitation is into a different kind of life through the person of Jesus through his spirit and that's a different thing it requires some intentionality some on-purpose kind of life and you don't have to figure it out on your own I don't praise God have to figure it out on my own I can't I'm not meant to do this by myself these next few weeks we're going to spend some time doing it together 
purposefully and intentionally. What does it mean to live my life with God? What is a with God life? What does it look like? How do I do it? Uh, before we look at that, with respect to the text that's in front of us, I also want to just acknowledge as a kind of aside, but I think related, today is, of course, the day before uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Tomorrow um, is MLK Day. Uh, many of you presumably have a day off, a vacation day. Uh, that's fantastic. I always think it's kind of an irony that a lot of white people get a vacation day on MLK Day, you know what I mean? I don't think it's bad. I just think it's kind of funny. Here's what I would say about that. Tomorrow is a day that we're called to commemorate, to celebrate the life and legacy of Dr. King. Um, and I would just, I would call you, I would exhort you to do that. Uh, whatever that looks like for you, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to be or am careful to be overly prescriptive about it. And maybe more than celebrating or reflecting on commemorating the man himself, I think for me it's become a time set aside to be really intentional about giving some thought to um, his life, particularly the commitment that he made to racial justice, to reconciliation and repentance. And his faith in Jesus inspired his commitment to those things. And as a Christian, that gives me something to think about every year, maybe most intentionally and purposefully on a day like tomorrow. How might the life of Jesus, who he is, this with God life, call me to be more reflective about racial justice, the ways that I see it playing out or not playing out in the life and the world around me? What does repentance look like in my own life? What does reconciliation look like in my own life? And to be really intentional about that. Um, as a kind of liturgy, every year I reread his letter from Birmingham jail. And Dr. King was talking to, I mean, the letter is addressed to uh, clergy people, clergymen, but, you know, um, I like to think he meant me as well, um, white moderates. And it was to people like me that he said this, shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. In other words, assuming you get it and deciding that you get it and that you therefore get to move on can do a lot of harm, cause a lot of pain. And it also just like means you don't get it <laughs> and there's more that you could be getting. And so I receive those words as a kind of invitation there's more for me to learn, more for me to get, more for me to understand. And I can say to you that these words, among others, from Dr. King and many other people, faithful, patient teachers in my life have changed me. Because of their life, their witness, their voice, I saw things that I didn't see before. I learned things that I didn't know before. I was given the gift and the grace of repentance. And I'm still learning a lot of things. And that has changed my life for the better. That epiphany, that revelation of the experience in particular of my black brothers and sisters has been just one of many gifts from the Holy Spirit in my life. And so on a day like today, I'm just thankful, you know? 
I have gotten to learn. This is just one area in my life where I've been taught by the Holy Spirit. What a gift. And my life with Jesus is meant to be full of those, that I would keep learning, keep growing, keep changing, keep repenting. And that's life with God. What a gift. So I don't know what it looks like for you, but I hope it looks like something. And I anticipate that if you would make room for him, that the Holy Spirit would come, that he has some things to say. That's why we're here after all, I think. So speaking of changes and things we hope for, John's gospel. Last week, we read the story of Jesus' baptism. Uh, the moment in which Jesus was made known was revealed to John the Baptist. And there was a moment when that had to happen. The Spirit came in the form of a dove in that particular story. And as a result of the Spirit coming, John has an aha he has an epiphany, a revelation. He sees Jesus. What's interesting, of course, about this is that John had been spending his whole life preparing for the coming of the Messiah. That was his thing. He'd been out in the woods. He'd been waiting for Jesus, looking for him. But he didn't know it was Jesus. And that's made all the more interesting by the fact that John and Jesus were related. They were cousins. And yet, apparently, John didn't know, whatever he knew about Jesus, that he was the Messiah, that he was the one he was waiting for until the Spirit comes. He says it twice in the passage that we read. In verse 31, and then again in verse 33, John says, I myself did not know him until the Spirit came. And then I knew, and then I saw. And that knowing and that seeing changes John's life, and not just John's life, but Andrew's life, and then Peter's life, and then subsequently presumably, a lot of our lives. Here we all are. Because John was paying attention to the Holy Spirit and had this epiphany, this revelation. So the first thing that I'd like to say about that is, whatever epiphanies that God might have in store for you, whatever revelations about himself that are for you, they're never just for you, right? Whatever God wants to show you is meant to like pass through you to the people around you. And y'all, that has big implications for all of us. I have a vested interest in you seeing Jesus the way that you're meant to. <laughs> I'm a person living in this world alongside you. You have a vested interest in me knowing who Jesus is, being a person who can recognize him and know him. We're all bound up in it together which is another reason for us to sort of hold out and open up our hands and say, God, what is it, Lord, that you would have me to see? Show me and help me, Holy Spirit. John had made a habit of that. That was his life. And as a result, he saw the Spirit when he came. And then he knew who Jesus was. The question is, how did John's life change? And how did Andrew's life change? And then Peter's, what does that change? How does it happen in a moment? For some of you, maybe that was your story. I know people like that. I know people who had, like Paul, you remember him from the New Testament, Paul had a really spectacular, sensational, epic, they might say, moment of knowing Jesus, seeing him, knocked him on his behind, and then his life was different. It didn't all happen, though, in that one instant. Some of you may have had a moment like that, a coming to, a seeing, a recognition, and that moment changes your life forever. If that's your story, it's incredible. Uh, mine has been different than that. I've had uh, little epiphanies, you know, kind of my whole life. 
Um, and some of you probably feel similarly. But regardless, the, those little epiphanies, whether they're with a little E or a big E, the moments themselves are not, I would submit to you, what ultimately make the difference in your life. The moments matter. They're a big deal. you got to have them. But if there isn't something that follows the moment, it's just that. It was a moment. And I think, for a lot of us, if we're really honest, what we end up doing in our life with God is chasing moments. You know? I go from one moment, that really meaningful moment that I had that one time, and then maybe we hit pause for a while, and then I hope to find like another really meaningful moment when God will matter again. <laughs> and then I go from that moment to another one. And I think there's a better way to do it is all I'm saying. Those moments matter, and they're incredible. It's just that there would be the nothing in between that's getting so many of us. I think it's where we stall out and feel stuck and feel frustrated because our faith isn't doing what we would hope that it would do or isn't meaning for us what we would hope that it would mean to ourselves or to other people. So what we're called to think about for these next few weeks is what happens between those moments. Andrew had a moment with Jesus on this particular day, but it wasn't what changed his life. If we're paying attention to the things that actually change us, and I'm not the first to do this, so I humbly submit to you, a lot of people much smarter than I have who spent more time with the Bible than I have have noticed three really important movements in the life of a person when it comes to this with God life and how we do it. Three movements, people call them different things, would talk about them differently. This is the language I'm going to use for you today. Um, and we're going to talk about all three of them. When it comes to this with God life, there's an invitation to, firstly, come to Jesus. Secondly, be with Jesus. And then thirdly, to be like Jesus. So if we're looking at three movements in this with God life, there's a coming to him, a being with him, and a being like him. And apparently this with God life requires all three. I grew up Baptist, and I love my church, and I love the tradition that I grew up in. But I think probably somewhere along the line, I implicitly gathered that once I became a Christian and was baptized, that it was kind of like, I don't know, done. You know what I mean? I am one now. <laughs> and yes, I have to read my Bible and pray, because that's what good Christians do. You know, you kind of like check the box. I do it because I'm being good and I want to live a good life and so I'm going to do those things. Um, I would submit to you that there is a more holistic and a fuller vision of your formation as a person to becoming like Jesus than just checking the box of reading your Bible and saying your prayers to be good. I think this life of discipleship, this with God life that Jesus imagines, it's just richer than that is all and requires some more intentionality. Like, for example, maybe you know this already. You've got your whole life, from now through all of eternity, you are an eternal being. You are never going to stop knowing God. Do you know what I'm saying? When Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly, to give them eternal life, 
That is a quality, a kind of life that begins for you now and stretches into eternity. So that means I get to know God increasingly now. Paul says we're changed from one degree of glory to another. And in heaven, that glory looks like one thing, and right now it looks like another thing, but that I'm shifting and changing and growing, that's not in question. You're meant to. So the question, the first one I have for you is, do you anymore anticipate or expect that God wants to make himself known to you in ways that would change you? Have you stopped expecting that you can and will grow? That there's fruit that your life is meant to bear? In due season. And if I'm going to bear that fruit in due season, that means that I have to be connected to him in order to bear it. It also means that I get to. I get to learn. I get to see more. There's more of him to know. You've not exhausted it. I don't care how long you've been doing this or how faithfully. I don't care how many times in January you have done the year in a Bible reading plan and done it faithfully every year. Paul says, oh, the depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God. He's infinite. You cannot exhaust him. And there's an invitation to know and to see. Do you expect it? Do you want it? Because the first thing that has to happen is the coming to him. John has this moment, he sees, and as a result, he looks at Andrew, and he's like, I don't even know why we're hanging out anymore. I know that you've been following me, but he's here now. You should for sure go follow him. There he is. And so Andrew goes, and in the story, Andrew and some other unnamed disciple, probably John, are following Jesus. Jesus turns around and says, asks such an important question. And I would submit, this is one of those moments when Jesus comes up off the page of the Bible and he's not looking at Andrew anymore, but right at you. And he says to Andrew, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Because there's a lot in that question. If you want a miracle, you can, you can want that. There are people who did, who came to Jesus and said, actually, what I want is a miracle. That's not bad. You could want advice. That's not bad. Actually, what I want is advice. That's okay. But if what you want is to follow him, to be a disciple. Because Andrew had already decided that that's what he wanted. Then that will require exactly what Andrew says. The response that he gives is, Rabbi, where are you staying? Which is a, answering a question with a question. Terribly clever thing to do. But it's not just a question. He's saying something. And the clue is that what he says to Jesus is, I want you to be my teacher, is what I want. What I'm looking for is a teacher. That's what I know that I need. And in that admission, it changes Andrew's whole life. 
Because Jesus can work a miracle for you and it be incredible. It'll be a moment and it will matter. Jesus can give you advice and it will be the best advice you've ever gotten. I promise you. It will matter. But what Andrew acknowledges that he knows that he needs is not just that. What he needs is a teacher. He wants his life to change. And that will require something else. Rabbi, I want to go and be with you. It will require, as Jesus says, come and see. Come to me then. And this is the thing that gets me because if you think about it, that direction of discipleship is the choice for me to move from wherever I'm going to where Jesus is versus I like Jesus and I will take him with me wherever I go like Mary's little lamb. I like to go here and I'd rather Jesus be with me than not be with me, so I'll take him. I'm going here and so I'd like for Jesus to be with me rather than not, so I'll take him. And again, that may be where you're living and how you're living. But if you want with God life, if you want what he came to give you, then there is an invitation to stop and acknowledge that he is not with you wherever you go, just to be with you wherever you go like your cosmic soul buddy. That he is, in fact, at some point he must become for you Lord and teacher and that would require you to go be with him wherever he is. And there's a really important shift in direction. How it plays itself out practically, another question. You all know what I mean, though. In the posture, in the mindset, am I taking him with me wherever I go, or am I going with him where he goes? Discipleship is in that question. I'll share a story with you. I grew up loving Jesus. Surprise to no one. I wish, like many of you, no doubt, that I had a better story to tell. Some dramatic, epic Damascus Road moment. What a gift. I've been just sort of enamored with who he is as a person for most of my life. But when I became an old, a person old enough to make my own choices... I made my own choices. I did what I wanted to do. And that phase of my life just happened to coincide um, with me wanting, apparently, to choose badly. <laughs> and all the things that I wanted to do um, were not at all things that I suspect Jesus would have wanted me to do. I know they weren't. I just didn't feel the need to consult him as all. You know what I'm saying? Soul buddy. Me and Jesus. He gets it, you know, been a hard time. And then there was one night for reasons that I cannot explain to you, and maybe you've had your own versions of this, so I don't have to. There was one really miserable, awful, awful night. And I was in Melbourne, Arkansas. So need I say more? <laughs> On some nameless road in the middle of Melbourne, and I will never forget it as long as I live. I was called to stop dragging him along with me where I was going and to choose to follow him. 
and on the side of the road in Melbourne, Arkansas, I made a choice to come and see what Jesus had for me. And that has changed my life. It wasn't exactly a Damascus road, but it was a pivot. And I've been getting to know him ever since as my teacher. And that's the question. Do you know him as your teacher? Has he taught you things? And I'm not just talking about the Bible. I'm not talking about doctrine. My God, what a narrow view of the world we've been given if we think that that is where he's expert. He crafted and created the universe. He's God of all creation. All that is beautiful, lovely, and true is his domain. He is infinite in his knowledge, his love, inexhaustible in his beauty. And he is your teacher or at least he can be, to show you wonders you have not otherwise known. Only the psalmist, once you have glimpsed him in his beauty, can you say with the psalmist, oh, that I might see wondrous things in your law. Or with Paul, the depths and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, praise at what you've seen and learned from him is a feeling that you are meant to have Not as a special, like, you know, Navy SEAL Christian, just as the regular kind. Disciple. For the next two weeks, we're going to talk about the being with and the being like. But the first question, it all starts with coming and seeing. He wants you to come to him. And I would ask you to consider it. You won't regret it, I promise. Holy Spirit, God, will you help us, Jesus, to choose you, help us to see. We ask you, God, for grace that we do not have on our own. Strength, our own abilities. We ask you, Lord, for the gift that you gave to Paul and the gift you gave to John. Come, Holy Spirit, and help us see. Help us to hear. Help us to know you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.